sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Tempted to think there's no hope for overcoming some of the challenges of modern life? Ask an elf. Or a hobbit. Tune in Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. with Milo Lomesdown at your service and... Tawny Tenuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. For What Would Arwen Do? on KUCI Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, Visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. And so we laid to all our elf friends. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? on every Tuesday now for the summer, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. My Govanen and Suilite, and to everybody listening online, live, and to my charming Hobbit co-host. Milo Longsdown at your service, and greetings to my friends in Los Angeles and Toronto that are listening via the internet and via podcasts. I know some of you cannot listen at this time of day, but greetings to all people, and a reminder, you can always listen to us at KUCI.org live every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and at KUCITalk.org, we podcast. Usually the next day, the podcast will be uploaded, and you can also find us at iTunes, the iTunes store, for free. Just search for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and you'll see our KUCI podcast logo there for free download. And, Milo, our, just in case people are tuning in, this is the first uh, week of the new quarter of KUCI programming. Oh, that's right. So, in case you tune in and you're looking for specific programs and you don't find them in the usual time slot, please uh, check out our website at KUCI.org because every, once, every quarter, you know, sometimes things get moved around a well, little bit. Well, things have gotten moved mm-hmm. around, I know. And, and, in fact, when you go to KUCI.org, you can click on schedule 
and you'll find all of the information about the schedule. Yes, and um, there's always new programs. So some programs sometimes go away, sometimes for a while, sometimes forever. Uh, new programs come in, and we generally have quite a few changes over the summer months because we are a college-based radio station, and many of our uh, DJs and uh, show hosts are college students or even faculty. Uh, so they are often gone off on other adventures during the summer months. So uh, again, you know, just uh, Check around, you, you know, you might discover something new that uh, that you would fall in love with. Maybe our show. <laughs> and I promise you, if you check out our music and talk shows, I mean, there are so many deep, deep, deep quality things. When you look at Buffalo Bayou with Jake Bacon yes. Monday afternoons or the Blues Disease with Jeff Monday mornings. If you look at Michael Rudzinski in the great uh, classical program Saturday, yes. I mean, we have... Michael Payne's Darkling Eclectia, Eclectica, which is, I think, still on Sunday afternoons, but just Excellent. amazing. Yes. And then you have all the great talk shows. We have the public affairs shows, which is their technical title. We have Writers on Writing mm-hmm. with and Barbara. And lots of... Lots of variety of not only public affairs programming, but, but music. Of course, Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident, which is on uh, shortly after our program, starting at 6 o'clock in the evening. I mean, you never know what is going to happen on with Heather on Rachel Ray's Cooking Heather Accident. Heather McCoy is a genius at programming. She is. And, and in fact, she is our, our, our program director still this quarter, is she not? I still think? for this coming year. She, yes. Yeah, they've, yes. they, and she has done an amazing job. little kudos out to Heather. Heather, in case uh, you don't know, it is not. It is a. It is. It is a feat of uh, magic to put together a, a schedule of programming at a college it's so station. So complex, you know, because there's things that change from quarter to quarter, and just making sure that you know. And we have new people that apply for shows, and people that you know submit their skim takes. So, um, kudos to to Heather not only for being our program director, but also for you know providing just a very entertaining and fun show. She and we have a music. new general manager. That's right. We Katie, should say congratulations Katie Tilford. To Katie congratulations congratulations Tilford. and good luck. Yeah, I'm so excited because Katie, who Katie? Did you is, know that Katie is an art major and has works on exhibit at the College Art oh, Gallery. I didn't know She's that. an art major. She's wow. also one of our DJs. She is the host of Bunnies in Space. Which is a very fun show. Yes, I think it's on Wednesday night. I, I get, sometimes I, unless it got moved around, but again, in case you are wondering where Bunnies in Space is, uh, please check out our program schedule, which is at KUCI.org, and let's see. Um, yep, there's Bunnies in Space on Wednesday evening. So, Lots of things, and in case our listeners... By the way, this is What Would Arwen Do? <laughs> we are. We are the Elf and the Hobbit, and if you are tuning in for the very first time, you might be wondering, what in the world is this show all about? Well, if a Middle-Earth elf lived today in Southern California, in Irvine, to be more precise, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures. Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, when questions arise or challenges in life arise, um, as the wizard Gandalf puts it, questions, questions that need answering, we like to ask, what would Arwen do? 
Uh, I always like to say, what would an elf do? (laughs) And who was Arwen, you may be wondering, in J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology. Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, lord of Rivendell, a prince among elves, and um, uh, Rivendell being a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, and you can find out a lot more about that in the book. But I think it's perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine, where we broadcast from. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. I believe that Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, that with great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and her service to others. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. So as an elf, I believe this, quote, elven quality exists today in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. So welcome again to all of our elf friends. And Milo, today marks the day before uh, what will be the sixth Sixth anniversary of What Would Arwen Do on KUCI, the voice of of the University of California at Irvine. And so six years, it's been an amazing, amazing journey and adventure, and the adventure continues, and almost two years for us together, you know, hosting One year and 11 months and counting. (laughs) So I am Tani Tenuviel. You are listening to What Would Arwen Do on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And... And, as I said earlier, you can find podcasts and information about this show and all the wonderful shows by going to our website, KUCI.org, one of the first college radio stations to be broadcasting live on the Internet 24 by 7. Locally here, we're only 200 watts, but we have a global reach. We have gotten contacts at this station as far away as Hong Kong, France, Poland... Canada, uh, England, uh, yeah. So, again, hello and greetings to all of our friends listening both online and in this area. And if you'd like to contact us, I would, we would love to hear from anyone who may be listening. Oh, my either, gosh. Either after the fact on podcast or even live, and you can contact contact us at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, askanelf at yahoo.com. And we would love to see an email from you if you have a chance to write. So, 
Milo, we have so many things. Uh, but today. we have to talk about last week in the I Fellowship Learning. We have to talk so, about tonight, and we have to talk about next so, week. So first, well, should we? First, let's have, we always like to have our movie update because we, oh, yes. being great fans of not only the uh, literature of J.R. Tolkien, but the wonderful movies, you know, the way that that has come to the screen, uh, many of us who just lo- are, you know, just movie buffs that love movies, you um, as even as a, a film critic, many years, I'm just kind of one of those people that just, I just love a great story and I love to see it brought to the screen because I just like the visual um, uh, adventure of it. I, I, I know uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's works, I, I love the books. Um, I don't know that I ever would have found them had it not been for the movies, though. Before The Lord of the Rings, before The Fellowship of the Ring, I was kind of a nonfiction snob, especially when it came to reading. And But with that movie, I got it about the power of a story. And uh, so now we are so excited that we will be having The Hobbit movies oh my in gosh. just now, what, about a year and a half from now? 18 months and counting. Oh my gosh, Elf Princess. It's less than 18 months because the premiere of The Hobbit Part 1 will be when? Yes, December 14th. December 14th, 2012. And because this is June 21st, it is... One year, five months, and three weeks from now. <laughs> That's, and what, what day of the month is it coming out on? The Well, I believe it's a Friday. Usually yeah, films yeah. are released so on a Friday. It'll be probably around the 20-something. But less than 18 months is what I'd like to say. Anyhow, movie news from the Hobbit movies. Yes. There's so much to talk about. But first and foremost is we've been wondering who is going to be the voice of Smog. There are many rumors about Leonard Nimoy, the great yes. actor from Star Trek. But no, Deadline New York... And you can get Deadline New York at Deadline.com. Mike Fleming, one of their great columnists there in that online news zine, says, Deadline can now tell you that it will be Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. He will be portraying Smog via motion capture. He's already on the picture, providing the voice of the character, the Necromancer. And this comes as Cumberbatch is just going crazy as an actor. He's going to be appearing in Steven Spielberg's new film, War Horse which oh. is based on about a boy and his horse in World War I. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, based on the British spy novel by Jean Le Carré, directed by Tomas Alfredson, who had done Left the Right One In, and he'd be starring in that with Gary Oldman. He's in Danny Boyle's stage production of Frankenstein and so forth. Too many credits to Numer. But that's not the only thing. On Sir Peter's Facebook page, as you know, Sir Peter Jackson, and he is knighted, has mm-hmm. a Facebook page, and he confirms several important castings. He says, today, this is June 19th, which is two days ago, today I'm thrilled to announce two new cast members who will be joining us for our second block of shooting. They're doing the shooting in big, massive blocks with little breaks in between. Evangeline Lilly, who you'll remember was a fine supporting actress in Hurt Locker and has appeared on this very popular TV show called Lost, which I've never seen. She'll be playing a new woodland elf, Toriel, not in the books. Her name means Daughter of Mirkwood, and beyond that, we must leave you guessing. (laughs) Toriel, yes, uh, I-E-L. But no... He says, no, this is Peter Jackson talking on his Facebook page. No, there's no romantic connection to Legolas. Oh, yes, good. That's so, good. Yeah. I'm also highly excited, Sir Peter continues, that Barry Humphreys will be portraying the Goblin King in much the same way Andy Serkis created Gollum. 
Now, you may not know the name Barry Humphreys, but have you ever heard of Dame Edna Everidge? Barry Humphreys is her alter ego. Have you ever seen Finding Nemo, the Pixar film? Well, Barry Humphreys is the voice of Bruce the Shark. He's a fine, fine comic actor. Fine comic actor. He was also in Nicholas Nickleby, the film. So, I mean, he's a wonderful Australian actor in many dimensions. He has lots of range. And then Welsh actor Luke Evans, who starred in the not tremendous film Clash of the Titans, but he's, he was effective, and he will star as Bard, which is oh, a very important character. Very in, important character. In that. Uh, and, and finally, I mean, there's so much to talk about, but Andy Serkis confirms in a brief interview on the BBC, you can get it at bbc.co.uk on the web, he confirmed that Christopher Lee is, in fact, back. There's oh, always been this little wishy-washiness, yeah. no report, because Sir Christopher Lee can't really travel much anymore. He is right. quite up there in years. But uh, Andy Serkis, who is not only Gollum, but also second unit director yes. for the Hobbit movies, oh he has confirmed... He says 99% of the crew is back from Lord of the Rings, and it is joyous and extraordinary. Oh. And he says beyond that, he can't say anything more because of the contracts. <laughs> right. 99%. How funny. Well, not exactly 99%. And when, when you we look don't at, get Liv Tyler yet. <laughs> well, that's yeah, it would be 100% if you got Liv Tyler. But like I said before, and I will keep saying, Peter Pomeran. Jackson will keep little things in his back pocket. Yeah. And how could you not have Arwen back in this movie someplace. I know. She's she like has to make a cameo. She's like 2,500 years old during all this. She's traveling back and forth between Rivendell and Lothlorien. She was around at the time of the White Council, the first White Council. And who is her father? Well, Elrond. Right, and Elrond is in the Hobbit yes. movies. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, they could even, you know, I would think that there would be something that they could pull even from some footage that they may have from the other, you know, version, you know, from the Lord of the Rings that maybe that didn't get released yet. One just never knows. So, thank you so much for the update on the movie news. We... We are just overflowing with joy about movies right right now because we are, uh, you and I, and many people across the nation and here in Southern California are enjoying the re-release momentarily <laughs> of all three of the Lord of the Rings movies, in ex- the extended versions in the theaters. You and I will be off to see The Two Towers this evening. Right but after this show, we rush right off. We rush right off. Uh, however, last week we did see The Fellowship of the Ring, and we have, let's do a little adventure report on that. We were first in line. <laughs> We were first theater. in line. We were first in line. We got great seats. The theater was lovely. The projection was great. The projection was great, and it was so wonderful to see the extended version on the uh, big screen again. You know, those other all the other scenes. Um, you know, when the movie first came out in the original edition, I saw that twenty eight times in the theaters. Um, but when the the extended version obviously didn't come out for a much longer time, so that was never like just released into the theaters. Right. So the only time that I got to see the extended version in the theater was when I went to the gathering uh, in Toronto, which was at the premiere of Return of the King. So I did get to see it one other time on the big screen, which was amazing. You know, just I mean, I'm so excited for tonight. There's so many aspects 
in fellowship, of course, you get uh, the minds of Moria and some, something about seeing that on the big screen just because it's so giant, so expansive. And so beautifully and, designed yes. by John Howe and the whole gang there. And as wonderful as it is to see the movie on the big screen, some of the scenes, you know, that are so big, you know, when they're deep, digging in those deep caverns of Isengard, you get all that three-dimensional um, effect of it. And as they're running and going across the bridge of Khazad-dûm, just seeing that on the big screen was amazing. And getting to hear the entire score, the complete yes. total score of Howard Shore was so beautiful to listen to and you know getting to see some of the expanded scenes in the original fellowship you don't have all of that expanded uh, uh, part of uh, in Lothlorien you know a lot of the scenes with Celeborn and you know hearing some of his wisdom and so I'm so excited tonight for seeing the two towers because when the original two towers came out I mean as wonderful as it was um, one of the things that many of us were very excited about was the extended footage to see the relationship between uh, Boromir and Faramir um, yes. that uh, is in the extended version that is not in the original. And, of course, that amazing, the whole um, battle for Helm's Deep, uh, to see that on the big screen is just going to it's be amazing. Amazing. Speaking of Boromir, do you realize that Sean Bean not only plays a hero in Lord of the Rings, but is a real hero? I think you mentioned something about this. Um, what was it that this, happened? What happened is a few days ago, he was at a bar in out, right. in London, right? He's British, was it, right? Did He's this, in was this since last week? Or, this or, is since last week. I, I must, okay, I thought uh, you mentioned you, it, but actually I, saw, I must have seen it on You uh, saw news. it on, on yes, news. Yes. Just a few days ago, he was outside a bar in London. And some jerk comes up and uh, trash talks the lady that he's talking with at the bar. And... And Sean Bean defends her and says, you know, go off, mind your own business. She's a very nice woman, right? And so this jerk comes back with a bottle, a broken bottle, and stabs Sean Bean with it. And Sean Bean, you know, so he pays the price for being a hero. Right. But according to the story in the Daily Mail of London, he stitched up his own wound and ordered another pint. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. What a man. What a, what a man. man. Yeah. And uh, I, just in mentioning Sean Bean and Boromir, I want to say a very special shout out in case she might be listening or listening after the fact on the podcast to Ro, oh, the Shield Maiden. The Shield Maiden. Oh, uh, my who gosh. Who is busy, busy, busy these days. Um, right now she's doing uh, children's summer camps, teaching archery to children uh, and summer camps just about five days a week. Um, and uh, so he's got the introducing children to the bow and arrow, uh, even as we speak. And she, her, whereas my favorite male character from the Lord of the Rings movies was Aragorn, she was enchanted by um, uh, Fer- uh, Boromir and uh, Sean Bean. And just, what an, an incredible um, job he did at portraying Boromir and the angst and the 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 struggle that you know Boromir and that really comes full out i mean one of the improvements in the extended edition of fellowship of the ring the movie mm-hmm. was that you got to see more thoroughly the torn nature of yes. Boromir and the and the horrible pull that the ring was exerting on him. Yes. And that wonderful scene with him and Aragorn. Yes. Oh my uh, gosh. Yes, they will look to the White Tower, you know, they uh, uh, yes. So, uh tonight, the two towers um 
so we had we have some readings. We have some readings from the professor. We have some music. I'm oh, and for the people listening live, uh-huh. I'm told that it's not sold out yet. Oh, you can still go. Uh, you can go ahead and go to fathomevents.com. That's F-A-T-H-O-M-E-V-E-N-T-S.com. If you want to get tickets, you can go there and look at tickets. The screening starts at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. One time only, one day only, 7 right. p.m. Pacific time at the district, the AMC theaters in the district in Tustin. And if you are in another area, they're actually, uh, I'm not sure about being sold out at other locations, but there are some other locations like Mission Viejo and Huntington Beach. Yes, And yes. so you can find all of those and maybe find right. uh, something in your area. All you need to do is put in your zip code and it'll find the closest yes. places. And but next get week ready is still Return of the King. So well, let's talk about listening. last week was 208 minutes of extreme pleasure. Yes, right? and you know. And Three it was, hours and 28 minutes. Tonight and, it's three hours and forty-four minutes. And the thing too that was I that I really actually enjoyed was at the end of the movie, um, because this was not in the original but in the extended version when it came out. They had uh, done a call for all of the uh, fans, people who had joined the uh, I b- believe the Lord of the Rings fan club, and they had the names of all those people. It was Every about it was about eight, it was about one of them. a good fifteen minutes where they ran those names. But we got to sit there and listen to more of the beautiful music of Howard Shore in the theater while they that ran. That was a big benefit. But it was amazing to see all the names of all. Those I don't fans. think we'll see that tonight. Probably. No, no, that, I don't think that that was just on the for the fellowship. So tonight. Will be the two towers tonight. We get to really meet Gollum. I mean, we saw a little little bit of him last week, but we really really get to oh Gollum my really gosh. comes Andy into the Circus. story. Wow! Yeah, we'll meet Treebeard, fabulous <clears throat> Faramir, and the Men of Gondor. Um, again, this ex- the extended version gives the uh, personal more of the personal history of Faramir and Boromir. Gandalf comes back. Of, you know, the last we saw, he would, was fallen. The into White the Rider. Yes, wow. he comes back as Gandalf the White. We get to meet Theoden and uh, and go to see the beautiful plains of Rohan. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So. Um, Medjuseld. Mm. Yes. And that great scene, this is, you know, this is the movie that has that amazing scene with Frodo and Sam, you know, after the Nazgul come to Osgiliath. Oh, my gosh. And so I thought uh, it would be really cool to read that scene because much of that scene, the dialogue from that is taken directly from the book. And Sean Astin was so amazing. Oh, my gosh. In the fellowship, I thought he was really cute and he was very... Um, I liked him in the role, but in um, in the Two Towers, you really begin to see him as one of the true heroes of the story right. of the Lord of the Rings. Right. Which um, J.R. Tolkien at one point said that Sam actually was the true hero. Well, and and you know, there's there's many things about heroism, right? And yes. I mean, you you see that final scene next week. We will see in the Return of the King oh. where he's. You know, bodily carrying Frodo yes. up to the crack of doom. Yes. The crack of Mount Doom. So I did, um, I marked a little place. If you would uh, be so kind, because you have such this beautiful voice, dear Hobbit, to read uh, this little excerpt. And which chapter is this from in The Two Towers? We're reading from The Two Towers. This is book four, the chapter called The Stairs at Kirith Ungol. And I might say, we have two editions of the paperback Two Towers. We have one with Christopher Lee, 
sort of looking up and out of his tower. We have another one on the trade paperback size, the, the larger oh. uh, side. The trade paperbacks, yeah. the larger format, and a different still of Christopher Lee. Oh, my gosh, he is so the, good. Interesting that both of those uh, came out with uh, Christopher Lee, you know, with, with Saruman on the covers. Right, and I mean... It's it's really a tragedy. I mean, Boromir almost succumbing mm. to the ring was a sort of tragedy a little yes. bit. But for Saruman to yes. be conquered by the Palantir and the Dark Lord was really a tragedy. Anyhow, from the stairs of Kirith Ungol, we read this. I don't like anything here at all, said Frodo. Step or stone, breath or bone. Earth, air, and water all seem accursed, but so our path is laid. Yes, so that's so, said Sam, and we shouldn't be here at all if we'd known more about it before we started. But I suppose it's often that way. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo, adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think that they were things the wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for, because they wanted them, because they were exciting and life was a bit dull, a kind of a sport, as you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered, or the ones that stay in the mind. Folks seem to have been just landed in them, usually. Their paths were laid out that way, as you put it. But I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on, and not all to a good end, mind you, at least not to what folk inside a story and not outside of it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of a tale we've fallen into. I wonder, said Frodo, but I don't know. And that's the way of a real tale. Take any one that you're fond of. You may know or guess that what kind of tale it is, happy ending or sad ending, but the people in it don't know, and you don't want them to. No, sir, of course not. Baron, now, he never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown in Thangoradrim, and yet he did. And that was a worse place and a blacker danger than ours. But that's a long tale, of course, and goes on past the happiness and into grief and beyond it. And the Silmaril went on and came to Arendil. And why, sir, I never thought of that before. We've got, you've got some of the light of it in the star glass that the lady gave you. Mm. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. Don't the great tales never end? No, they never end as tales, said Frodo, but the people in them come and go when their parts ended. Our part will end later, or sooner. Sam said, and then we ha can have some rest and some sleep. He laughed grimly. Sam continued, and I mean just that, Mr. Frodo, I mean plain ordinary rest and sleep and waking up to a morning's work in the garden. I'm afraid that's all I'm hoping for all the same. All the big important plans are not for my sort. Still, I wonder if we shall ever be put into songs or tales. We're in one, of course, but I mean put into words, you know, told by the fireside, or read out of a great big book with red and black letters years and years afterwards. And people will say, let's hear about Frodo and the Ring, 
and they'll say, yes, that's one of my favorite stories. Frodo was very brave, wasn't he, Dad? Yes, my boy, the famousest of the bobbits, hobbits, and that's saying a lot. It's saying a lot too much, said Frodo as he laughed, a long, clear laugh from his heart. Such a sound had not been heard in those places since Sauron came to Middle-earth. To Sam suddenly it seemed as if all the stones were listening and the tall rocks leaning over them. But Frodo did not heed them. He laughed again. Why, Sam, he said, to hear you somehow makes me as merry as if the story was already written. But you've left out one of the chief characters, Samwise the Stouthearted. I want to hear more about Sam, Dad. Why didn't they put more of his talk in, Dad? That's what I like. It makes me laugh. And Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam, would he, Dad? Wow. That's amazing. And that we see uh, much of that dialogue, even though it's kind of dispersed a little differently in the movie, um, that's kind of where it ends, you know, where uh, with the, you know, I want to hear more about Sam. Thank you for reading that from The Lord of the Rings. I'm getting more excited. The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, book four, the chapter known as The Stairs at Kirith Ungle. Yes, and um, that's one of the wonderful things about The Lord of the Rings. It really is the story of the hero's quest. And what I love about it is that it's the hero on so many levels. I mean, there's Frodo as a hero. There's Sam and the things that he has to overcome. He even becomes a ring bearer at one point. Aragorn having to overcome his fears and step up to become Elisar, you know, the king of Gondor. Um, and Arwen is such a heroine. The test, you know? Galadriel had to pass the test of being offered the ring, freely yes. offered the ring. And Arwen and making the choice to leave and be with her people and sail, you know, go to Elvenholm or to or remain in, remain in Middle-earth. Become mortal. Yeah. Become mortal. So today as I was uh, doing some research on the show, um, I was just reminded, uh, you know, we love Joseph Campbell and his book, The Power of Myth, uh, with Bill Moyers is amazing. And um, I wanted to read just a little bit here from uh, Joseph Campbell and his, his kind of take on myth and mythology and the hero's story. And this is from uh, the chapter, The Hero's Adventure. And Moyer says, well, what is illumination? Campbell replies, the illumination is the recognition of the radiance of one eternity through all things, whether in the vision of time these things are judged as good or as evil. To come to this, you must release yourself completely from desiring the goods of this world and fearing their loss. Judge not that you be judged, we read in the words of Jesus, If the doors of perception were cleansed, wrote Blake, man would see everything as it is. Infinite. Moyers, that's a tough trip. Campbell, that's a heavenly trip. Moyers, but is this really just for saints and monks? Campbell says, no, I think it's also for artists. The real artist is the one who has learned to recognize and to render what Joyce has called the, quote, radiance of all things, as an epiphany or showing forth their truth. Moyers asks, but doesn't this leave all the rest of us ordinary mortals back on shore? Campbell says, I don't think there is anything as an ordinary mortal. Everybody has his own possibility of rapture in the experience of life. All he has to do is recognize it and then cultivate it and get going with it. I always feel uncomfortable when people speak about ordinary mortals because I've never met an ordinary man, woman, or child. Moyers asks, but is art the only way one can achieve this illumination? 
Campbell says, art and religion are the two recommended ways. I don't think you get it through sheer academic philosophy, which gets all tangled up in concepts. But just living with one's heart open to others in compassion is a wide is a way wide open to all. Moyer says, so the experience of illumination is available to anyone, not just saints or artists. But if it is potentially in every one of us, deep in that unlocked memory box, how do you unlock it? Campbell says, you unlock it by getting somebody to help you unlock it. Do you have a dear friend or a good teacher? It may come from an accident, from an actual human being, from an experience like an automobile accident, or from an illuminating book. In my own life, mostly it comes from books, though I have had a long series of magnificent teachers. Moyers asks, when I read your book, says, when I read your work, I think, Moyers, what mythology has done for you is place you on a branch in a very ancient tree. You're part of a society of the living and dead that came long before you were here and will be here long after you are gone. It nourished you and protected you, and you have to nourish it and protect it in return. Campbell says, well, it's been a wonderful support for life, I can tell you. It's been tremendous, this kind of resource pouring into my life has done. Moyers asks, but isn't, but people ask, isn't myth a lie? Campbell says, no, mythology is not a lie. Mythology is poetry. It is metaphorical. It has been well said that mythology is the penultimate truth. Penultimate because the ultimate cannot be put into words. It is beyond words, beyond images, beyond that bounding rim of the Buddhist wheel of becoming. Mythology pitches the mind into that rim to what can be known but not told. So this is the penultimate truth. It's important to live with the experience and therefore the knowledge of its mystery and of your own mystery. This gives life a new radiance, a new harmony, a new splendor. Thinking in mythological terms helps to put you in accord with the inevitables of this veil of tears. You learn to recognize the positive values in what appear to be the negative moments and aspects of your life. The big question is whether you are going to be able to say yes, a hearty yes, to your adventure. Moyer says, the adventure of the hero? Campbell says, yes, the adventure of the hero, the adventure of being alive. Wow. And if that doesn't, in a sense, encapsulate the story in The Lord of the Rings, especially of uh, Sam and Frodo, all of the things they had to overcome, not only just in crossing the terrain, but uh, Gollum, you know, Frodo. The power of the ring. The power of the ring. The power Frodo of the one eye. Frodo being seduced into thinking that Sam had, had betrayed him and he right. leaving Sam. Sam have, feeling, fearing that his, his um, dear hobbit friend had been killed, and so he has to take the ring and try to... I mean, so many things for them to overcome. And as you read so beautifully there, um, both of them at times asking, how in the world did we end up in this tale? (laughs) (laughs) So um, uh, that was a reading from The Power of Myth. We have a little more time. I'd like to play a little of the music from Howard Shore's um, The Two Towers. And um, this is a rather long track. We're not going to play the whole thing, but I thought we would play a little bit from disc three of the... uh, uh, the two towers, ext- uh, the complete Com- recording. Complete recording. And this is from the tales that really matter. Oh, wonderful! This is KCI in Irvine, eighty-eight point nine FM, and here is Academy Award-winning music from Howard Shore.
that from the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore, The Two Towers. And that uh, excerpt, that part that we heard right there, Milo, was from that very scene where, you know, they're up there, uh, I believe in Osgiliath, and they, you know, Frodo drops, the Dazgul come, Frodo drops the sword, and Sam, you know, says... What a scene. You know, we shouldn't even be here. And so moving and so beautiful. I... um. I've asked you to read apart from the letters of G.R. Tolkien. It's so wonderful. I'm so grateful for these letters that we have that give us such rich insight into what was going on in G.R. Tolkien's life, even as he was um, discovering these worlds of Middle-earth. It's, it's tremendous. And this from one is from, actually, this letter is from June of 1955. Right. Yeah. So from the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien, edited by Humphrey Carpenter... With the assistance of Christopher Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien's son, we read, these are the words of J.R.R. Tolkien in a letter. There are, of course, certain things and themes that move me specially. The interrelations between the noble and the simple, or common vulgar, for instance. The ennoblement of the ignoble I find specially moving. I am obviously much in love with plants and above all trees and always have been, and I find human maltreatment of them as hard to bear as some find ill-treatment of animals. I think the so-called fairy story one of the highest forms of literature and quite erroneously associated with children as such. But my views on that I set out in a lecture delivered at St. Andrews on the Andrew Lang Foundation, eventually published in essays presented to Charles Williams by Oxford University. University Press as, quote, on fairy stories. I think it is quite an important work, at least for anyone who thinks me worth considering at all. But the Oxford University Press have infuriatingly let it go out of print, though it is now in demand, and my only copy has been stolen. Still, it might be found in a library, or I might get hold of a copy. If all of this is obscure, wordy, and self-regarding, and neither bright, brief, nor quotable, forgive me, is there anything else you would like me to say? Yours sincerely, J.R.R. Tolkien. A postscript. This business began so far back that it might be said to have begun at birth. Somewhere about six years old, I tried to write some verses on a dragon, about which I now remember nothing, except that it contained the expression, A Green Great Dragon and that I remained puzzled for a very long time at being told that this should be great green. But the mythology and associated languages first began to take shape during the First World War. The fall of Gondolin and the birth of Arendelle was written in hospital and on leave after surviving the Battle of the Somme in 1916. The kernel of the mythology, the matter of Luthien, Tenuviel, and Baron, arose from a small woodland glade filled with hemlocks, or other white umbellifers, near Rus, on the Holderness Peninsula, to which I occasionally went when free from regimental duties while in the Humber garrison in 1918. I came eventually and by slow degrees to write The Lord of the Rings to satisfy myself, of course without success at any rate, not above 75%. But now, when the work is no longer hot, immediate, or so personal, certain features of it, and especially certain places, still move me very powerfully. The heart remains in the description of Karen Amroth, at the end of Volume 1, Book 2, Chapter 6. 
but I am most stirred by the sound of the horses of the Rohirrim at Cockcrow, and most grieved by Gollum's failure just to repent when interrupted by Sam. This seems to me really the real world in which the instruments of just retribution are seldom themselves just or holy, and the good are often stumbling blocks. Nothing has astonished me more, and I think my publishers, than the welcome given to the Lord of the Rings. But it is, of course, a constant source of consolation and pleasure to me, and, I may say, a piece of singular good fortune, much envied by some of my contemporaries. Wonderful people still buy the book, and to a man retired, that is both grateful and comforting. <laughs> and who would have imagined, J.R. Tolkien himself probably would have never imagined that this book would be named, you know, Book of the Century, that it would have touched the lives of so many people beyond just a simple, you know, fan base of readers in England and the United States, you know, that it has just become a staple of literature and now, you know, one of the great cinematic, I mean, you know, the when I think sometimes we forget when the Lord of the Rings movies first came out, you know, no one had ever done many of the things that Peter Jackson did before. You know, I mean, it's kind of like with um, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. There were new things that had never been done before when right. Star Wars came out, you know. And then right. but to film three movies over three years, you know, this long saga and the um, the creation of the arm- armies, the, you know, part you know, real people, part animation, just things that, you know, had never been done before. Certainly the most, the most impressive principal photography that I'm familiar with. Certainly, uh, Sergei Banjarchuk's, the Russian, great Russian director who did the six and a half hour war and peace. I mean, that is a tremendous movie, usually shown in two parts, Mm -hmm. three and a half hours, then an intermission, then three hours. And that was a very long production. I think it was nearly, I think nearly a year and a quarter in production, principal photography. But the Lord of the Rings movies, all three were filmed at the same time, and that was like nearly two years of principal photography. It's an unbelievable achievement. And for a a fantasy-type movie to finally win an Academy Award, The Return of the King, nominated for 13 awards, wins 13 awards. Yes. As it turns out, The Hobbit, being the practical one, did research. And here are the details. The Fellowship of the Ring got 13 nominations and won four. Mm -hmm. That is cinematography, visual effects, makeup, and Howard Shore's music. The Two Towers, which we see tonight, got six nominations only, which is strange to me because it has a lot of great acting. But it was nominated for six, only one, two, sound editing and visual effects. But The Return of the King, which we see next week, was nominated for 11 and won all 11. It's just an unbelievable achievement. Interestingly enough, the only actor ever nominated for any of the three films was Sir Ian. He got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but didn't win by some unbelievable... Well, he was in a very, very, very tough contest that year. Yes. Well, we are (coughs) almost out of time. Oh, I have Um, something. Speaking of fans, I mean, uh, we've got upcoming stuff. Next Monday, you should be aware of the fact that Warner Brothers and New Line has put up this tremendous thing, as reported in my favorite website, theonering.net, sometimes called Torn. Mm-hmm. I know you like Torque, Elf Princess, but right. I love Torn. Right. Theonering.net prouds to be a part of a very special happening in Los Angeles, our fair area here, on Monday, June 27th. 
Middle Earth Midnight Madness, a launch celebration for the release of the Lord of the Rings Extended Editions on Blu-ray format, held at the Best Buy store in West Los Angeles at 11301 West Pico Boulevard. It'll feature cast member greetings, trivia games, loads of prizes. But the biggest prizes will be reserved for special competition of costumes, where one lucky contestant with the best costume will capture the grand prize, which is a VIP tour of Middle-earth, an all-expenses-paid trip to New Zealand, Auckland, Wellington, Queenstown, courtesy of Air New Zealand and Weta Workshop. And then second prize winners will receive... 10K solid gold version of the One Ring from the Noble Collections. Mm. And there will be lots of other prizes. So it's just an unbelievable event next Monday. It starts at noon at the Best Buy in West Los Angeles, 11301 Pico Boulevard. That will be a lot of fun. And I happen to know that there are some amazing costuming uh, groups here in Southern California that are Academy, not Academy, but they are award-winning. They've won many awards at, you know, Tolcon and Comic-Con and, you know, a lot of these places. Uh, a big costuming <laughs> group here in Southern California. So there will be some amazing things. Even if you just go to, to see some of these people dressed in, the, in costume, it'll be, it'll, it'll be quite something. So I'm not sure that I will be able to make that, but uh, who knows? I already have adventure. a previous commitment, so oh, right. I'm not oh. going to be able to make that next Monday. Um, well, we have a couple of quick announcements. Um, I want to announce first next week, I hope uh, people will listen in. On our uh, program. On our program, uh, we're going to be interviewing Max McLean, who is the uh, founder and star co-creator of The Screwtape Letters. This is an acclaimed theatrical production based on the classic novel by the Chronicles of Narnia author C.S. Lewis, who is also a great dear friend of J.R.R. Tolkien. So it's going to be at the Barclay Theater um, in just a few weeks. And it's acclaimed. It's gotten great reviews where yes. it's been done other places. Yes. The Screwtape Letters, of course, written by C.S. Lewis, a tremendous work. But let us not forget that Tolkien is responsible in large part for Lewis's conversion from being an atheist to being a Christian, yes. and many people would say one of the greatest Christian writers of the 20th century. Yes, he was He was called Every Man's Apologist. And the production, production is going to be presented at Irvine Barclays, uh, at the Irvine's Barclay Theater from July 21st through Ju- July 24th. Pretty sure you can probably still get tickets, so you might want to go to the Barclay uh, website. But uh, we will be interviewing Max McLean, uh, who is, you know, starring in the role. Next Tuesday. Uh, next Tuesday. So I hope our, our guests, our listeners will tune in and come and hang out with us here in Middle Earth on <laughs> next next Tuesday. And you have a little adventure report, too. We have just a few minutes, and then we're going to play some of Howard Shore's music as we uh, fade out. But you have some... You're going I to have Las to Vegas. mention the fact that the Hobbit nieces and nephews yes. want their uncle... Uncle Milo to go with them to Las Vegas. Well, I'm only too happy to because last year I found that there is a new, a new slot machine called Lord of the Rings. Yay! And it's really based on <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. And there is now a rumor that sometime later this year there will come out a second slot machine based on the two towers. So we shall see if that happens. But certainly one of the wonderful things is you can go to playerslife.com and play for free 
clever little Lord of the Rings games. And if you are registered with a slot machine with a user ID and password, you can actually earn mileage markers to get to the next bonus. So, for instance, this last week, I went to playerslife.com, signed in with my user ID and password, and by playing a little picture recognition puzzle, they'd show you a picture for 10 seconds and then blank it out, and you'd have to say, well, how many elves were wearing necklaces? Or... (laughs) What right. color was the door on the old mill? And you would get mileage markers up to the next bonus level. So I'm uh-huh. all the way up to the fourth bonus level of the game Which called is? The, the Battle with the Balrog, oh where Gandalf gosh. fights the Balrog. Yes. And so when I go to Las Vegas tomorrow, I will be able to play at that bonus level. See, so many Middle-Earth adventures still continue 10 years after these movies came out and so many years after the world of Middle-Earth was brought to us from J.R. Tolkien. So we, we are blessed on so many levels. Tremendously blessed. I am blessed with you, Elf Princess, <laughs> to have you here in studio every Tuesday uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Well, we have many we have many wonderful adventures together, not least of which is tonight, even in the next few minutes, we will be running out the door to the blue horse that awaits to take us off to see the two towers here at the district in Irvine. So, and some tremendous acting by Christopher uh, Lee. Yes, and we get to see the, oh, and the mirrors, uh, uh, you know, um, just don't forget Brad Dourif as Wormtongue. <laughs> so many so things, evil. so many things introduced in the Two Towers. So we will have an adventure report next week. In the meantime, I, we will leave you with a little more music of. Uh, uh, the choice uh, is this from the two towers. This is this is from the two towers. I'm going to play again that little excerpt that I played before. I think it was called the uh, choices of what was it? The choices, the choices of? of Master Samwise. Yes. Oh no, the tales that really matter. The tales that really, really matter. matter. Yes, the choices of Samwise that comes. That's into the, the next uh, book. Yes, the next book. Yes. So for those of you listening in, this is KCI in Irvine. This is what would Arwen do? We will be back next week, my dear Hobbit friend and Elf Princess. Don't forget. To remind them, ask an elf at yahoo.com. A S K A N E L F at yahoo.com. Please let us hear from you. Yes, and uh, we'll be up on podcast soon. Please stay tuned. I'm not sure. Some wonderful, uh, fun syndicated programming coming up. And then at 6 o'clock, Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. With so. the wonderful Heather McCoy doing really innovative Absolutely. music and sounds. In the meantime, here's Howard Shore, and we will say, Alin Salalumin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. Until next week, Namarie. Bye bye. <laughs>